Well, welcome to the best thing that's ever happened to you. We call this Coffee with Scott Adams, uh, in large part because I'm Scott Adams and there will be coffee. But I think we'd all agree that no matter what you're drinking here, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you and anybody, really. I haven't done a complete survey, but it feels like common sense. If you'd like to take it up a notch, and boy, do we have a show for you today. Do we have a show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And to enjoy it at, at its maximum capacity, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass of tech or gels or stein, a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. It's the dopamine hit of the day. It's the thing that makes everything better, including the simulation. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. Well, I don't have many rules in my household, but one of the most important rules is don't make loud noises from 7 to 8 in the morning. So if you could hear that shower that's running in the wall right next to me, that would be somebody in my house who's violating the cardinal rule, the prime directive. (laughs) But it shouldn't last too much longer. Well, today we learned that uh, 75 members of Congress invested in companies that were related to uh, the pandemic. Um, Companies that have a direct stake in the nation's response to the pandemic. 75 of your elected professionals. 75. Uh, Are you as shocked by this as I am? There are 75 members of Congress who bought stock in companies that were almost guaranteed to go up because of what the government was voting on. Are you shocked? Well, I'm shocked because I was hoping there were more than 75 smart people in Congress. My God, are you telling me that out of 400 whatever of these assholes, it was completely legal, apparently, completely legal, to invest in the very companies that they were guaranteeing were going to quadruple in value? Completely legal. And only 75 of these assholes did it. What the hell is wrong with Congress? Seriously. Let's take a list of the 75, keep them, and get rid of all the other fucking idiots. Because really, if it's legal, they should all be doing it, or it should not be legal. Pick one. But I don't want idiots running the country. If it's legal, do it, document it, show it to us then I might think you have some you know, ability to predict. <laughs> but if you're not doing this, and it's totally legal, and it's obvious, and it's free money, and if, what, 435 members of Congress, 75 smart ones. And I'm only kidding a little bit. Now, I'd like to think that the other members uh, resisted for ethical reasons. What do you think? Do you think the other members of Congress resisted for ethical reasons? <laughs> Maybe three or four of them. <laughs> I have a feeling they just aren't good at investing because it's hard to explain otherwise. All right. Well, it's getting harder and harder to be a Democrat these days. Um, now that the Democrats have decided that the Build Back Better bill uh, might go on the shelf, let's just put that back on the shelf. We tried. 
But we're going to have to put that back on the shelf. Um, so they thought instead of that, they'll try to pivot and try to get something done. Uh, and they'll move that to the election reform. Try to get something done, a little election reform. Does the election reform include uh, the ability to fully audit our votes in real time, or very quickly, so that we can have full transparency in our elections? No. (laughs) Of course not. Do you know why? Because there's no politician who wants that. Do you know why no politician wants uh, actual good reform? Because everybody who got elected, wait for it, wait for the big reveal, everybody who is currently elected got elected under the current situation. That's it. Why would anybody want to change the thing that got them elected? Nobody wants to change the thing that got them elected. The people who should have nothing to do with election reform are people who got elected under the current system. That's the people who should be recused. We've actually de- we've delegated uh, the job, the most, I would say, is it too far to say a sacred mission? Is that too far? I mean, the, the, the core... Um, you know, the core engine of the democratic republic in which we live, the driving engine of the most important country in the world, according to Americans. And we've delegated it to the only people who should not be involved in that in any way. Are we happy with that? Yeah, we're acting like that's perfectly natural. Did, has anybody brought that up but me? That the only people who shouldn't be working on this are exactly the people we delegated it to? Right? Who else even said that out loud? Nobody, right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a shower running in the room next to me. That's the noise you hear. I'm sorry. Somebody else did bring it up. Matt. Matt over on Locals brought it up, and I'm disappointed in all of you for not listening to Matt. So good on you, Matt. You were there early. Um, so... Uh, I love the fact that Kirsten Cinema is not supporting the uh, filibuster reform. Under the perfectly good theory that if you do that, it's just going to rip apart the republic, basically, and everybody will just undo what the other party did, and it'll just be a mess. So good for her. Um, what are the odds that one of the people involved in two movies on one screen, her last name would be? Cinema, cinema, involved in two movies on one screen, cinema. Well, if you didn't think we lived in a uh, simulation, there's a story coming up that will prove that we are. Wait for that. Okay, I have a new, um, a new way to determine BS. Uh, this, I'm going to add this to my bullshit detector. Uh, ways to determine if somebody is telling you the truth. And I saw this example in a, uh, the Joe Rogan interview with Dr. McCullough. Now, I want to be very careful. I'm not saying that Dr. McCullough is wrong about anything. All right? Can you hear that clearly? I'm not, I'm not saying he's wrong about anything. I'm going to tell you that he flipped a switch that I consider a strong tell for lying, 
or being wrong. Not uh, lying is imagining I could read somebody's mind. That's not what's happening. So I have no no information that he would be lying about anything. But a strong indication that what he's saying is not necessarily true, which doesn't mean he's lying, right? People could have opinions that don't pan out. But here it goes like this. Um, Scott, can you give me the evidence to support your point? And I say, can I give you evidence? There are thousands of citations in several books, and it's all laid out there. Is it true? Am I telling you the truth, or am I bullshitting? I'll do it again. I'm being interviewed. Scott, give me the evidence for your point of view. Evidence? Are you kidding me? There's so much evidence, we're swimming in evidence. There's like thousands of studies and citations and details and footnotes. They're across four different books, and you should read them all. And if you do, you're going to see it too. Would you believe me? I hope not. I hope that you're smart enough not to believe that. Here's what the truth would look like, just hypothetically. Scott, give me the evidence supporting your point of view. All right, well, I'm saying there's a conspiracy. There's an email that shows that person one talked to person two who was in charge of this decision. So we can see the email. It's been confirmed. It's real. And this email says, go ahead and do this bad thing. And then the person who did the bad thing replied to the email and said, I'm going to do the bad thing. And then we measured the thing to see if it was bad, and sure enough, it happened. That's what an honest opinion looks like. <laughs> do, you, do you want to see again what a, what a not... Uh, I don't want to say honest, because I have no evidence that the good doctor is saying anything he doesn't believe. Right? I do believe he's saying stuff he believes. So... Uh, it's, it's one thing to be wrong. It's another thing to be lying, and nobody's, nobody's accusing him of that. At least I'm not. Um, so for all of you who are pretty sure that Dr. McCullough has the goods and that Joe Rogan heard them and you heard McCullough tell them to Joe Rogan, can you explain for me why it can't be summarized? Here, here's the other, basically, here's the summary of this bullshit detection point. Anything that can't be summarized isn't true. Watch for that. Anything that can't be summarized isn't true. <laughs> Watch how often that, that's predictive. All right. Ted Cruz has an anti-critical race theory ebook, had to fight fight back against teaching it at, in schools. Wait, wait, are there any are there any Democrats watching? If there are any Democrats watching, what did you just say in your head? CRT in schools? Nobody's teaching CRT in schools. Duh, you idiots on the right. You idiots, you fools. How many times do we have to tell you the CRT is a college-level course, if that? It's based on some theories that are certainly not being taught in the K-12. through There is no critical race theory being taught in K-12. through Say every Democrat who has been hypnotized by the news. Is it true? Is it true that CRT is not being taught in K-12 through schools, period? 
Not, not anywhere. True or false? True. It's true. It's 100% true. How many uh, Republicans disagree with that? It is true. There's no, there's no critical race theory being taught in any K-12 school. Uh, here's the second thing that's also true. The, cons- the concepts that uh, are related to or come from critical race theory are being taught in K-12 through in a fairly widespread manner. True or false? Things that overlap with and are similar to and maybe suggested by, perhaps influenced in some sense by, are being taught in K-12 through in a fairly widespread way. True. So there's your two movies, or your two Kristen cinemas, as I like to say, um, or Kirsten cinemas, sorry. Um, yeah, in one, there's no critical race theory in K-12, through and in the other one, there's plenty of it. They just don't use that label because it's the wrong label. <laughs> so the Republicans are walking uh, directly into the trap that the Democrats have set for themselves because <laughs> they fall into their own trap by believing their own bullshit. Here's what the Democrats, or the, I'm sorry, this is what the Ted Cruz's of the world should do if it is their intention to fight against the critical race theory stuff. Yeah, yeah, Anthony, I, I, see, I see your point. Um, here's what the Republicans should do. Instead of saying we want to get rid of critical race theory in schools, they should say we want to get rid of teachings that overlap with critical race theory or teachings that are inspired by or teachings that are, uh, let's say, f- familiar or similar to in some ways. So you need to go at it that way. I'd add the modifiers. Because if you don't add modifiers, people are just talking about the word choice, and there's no argument there at all. Ron DeSantis is also in this fight. Um, have I mentioned that Ron DeSantis is like a frickin' success machine, Republican-wise, right? Democrats will disagree with that uh, characterization. But if, you are, if you're a Republican, I'm not, so I'm, I'm just speaking as an observer here. But if you're a Republican... Ron DeSantis is just a machine. He, he's just pumping out one perfect move after another. Am I wrong? <laughs> Does anybody disagree with that characterization? I've never seen anything like it, uh, to, to be honest. I've never seen a politician just um, walk up to bat about once every two weeks and just hit a like a rope. Like He's just hitting... I'm sorry, this is you know baseball reference, but but it's like he's getting up to bat and he's hitting the first pitch like a, a solid, a solid double into the outfield, and then you say and you think to yourself, well, that's something people can do, two out of ten times if they're really good. And then he gets up to bat and he hits another one. You're like, well, two in a row, anybody can get lucky, and he's up to like what, fourteen of these in a row or something, <laughs> where he'll find some national topic that at least you know, his party, the Republicans are worked up about, and then just come up with the perfect response. And so now he's, he's got this, uh, uh, what is it called, the, uh, the anti-woke bill or something like that. And uh, so they're going to have some legislation proposed anyway to make it possible for parents to sue, I think, the school 
if there's any critical race theory-related stuff there. Uh, yeah, Scott's sports analogies are the worst. That's true. It's a frozen rope. Yeah, so he's hitting, he's hitting frozen ropes uh, into, the, uh, into the gap. How about that? Yeah, he's hitting a frozen rope into the gap. Okay? If you like your sports analogies. That's an analogy on an analogy. The frozen rope, and then it's sort of... Yeah, it's a nested, a nested analogy. Very difficult to do. And so DeSantis is framing it as a no-tax dollars to teach kids to hate each other. How good is that? How good is that framing? No-tax dollars to teach kids to hate each other. It's perfect. Yeah. You couldn't approve on that. I don't think so. That is as good as it gets. Simple, direct. Now, is Ron DeSantis full of bullshit? Well, remember what bullshit looks like? It would have looked like, well, you know, there's a concept of the thing and it's in a book and somebody talked about it in their 15 citations and if you have the time, you should go look into it. Nope. He said directly, no tax dollars to teach kids to hate each other. Is that a fair characterization? (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is. It's not the only thing that it teaches, right? You know, uh, let's, let's give some credit to the intention. The intention, I think, is to make the world a better place. It just doesn't do it in a way that uh, has greater benefits than costs, according to Republicans. All right, watching a CNN uh, spin bullshit into gold is so entertaining. Uh, are you watching the January 6th coverage? The, the coverage will produce absolutely nothing and CNN will treat it like there was something. And I'm watching the opinion people try to, you know, try to cook this into something. And it's basically they're cooking with water. They've got a little cup of water, and they're trying to make dinner with it. And they're thinking, all right, where, where's the other ingredients for my soup? And the network's saying, mm, well, this time no ingredients. Uh, we're just going to give you a cup of water. But... It's your job to make people who are watching think that cup of water is full of beef. But it's just a cup of water. And so I would like to, uh, if I may, interview my uh, Democrat operative. His name is Dale. Some of you know him. Some of you may may be due to him. And uh, Dale will explain to me the, uh, the breaking stories, the blockbusters that just recently came out about January 6th. Uh, Dale, are you busy? Just come over here for a minute. Uh, we'd like to, uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions about the January 6th uh, blockbuster reports. Glad to help. Glad to help. What's your question? Well, I keep seeing there's some kind of blockbuster news, but then I read the news, and I'm not actually seeing the blockbuster. Can you, can you help me connect the dots, uh, Dale? Simple. Simple. <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> They're all dumb. They're all dumb. Let me explain it to you in the simplest way so that even a Republican can understand it. It goes like this. There was an insurrection on January 6th. It's now proven, and the proof positive is that there was an email 
from Hannity to Mark Meadows saying that the president should call off the, you know, the riots and therefore insurrection. Okay. Um, okay, Hannity sent an email, but that doesn't really seem to be in any way related to your point that there was an insurrection. Uh, there are two facts, or there's a claim and then there's a fact. Can you just like connect the claim to the fact? I'm missing the connecting tissue there. Republicans. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, I don't know if I can make this any simpler. There was an email. It's a blockbuster. It's proof that President Trump is an insurrectionist because there's an email. And if one email isn't enough, there were three. Three emails. There were three emails, and President Trump is an insurrectionist. Blockbuster proof. He's a liar. You get it now, right? Eh. My problem is that the one email didn't seem connected to the point. But having three of those emails that are also not connected to the point you're making, I'm not seeing how that bolsters the argument. Is that because you're watching all the fake news on Fox News? <laughs> I call it faux news. Faux news. They don't even know it. And scene. I believe that's what's going on here. Spinning bullshit into gold over on CNN. All right, let me tell you a story that uh, proves the simulation exists. Was there, was there a topic you were expecting me to talk about this morning? Was there uh, something that happened yesterday that you're thinking, oh, I'll bet Scott's going to mention that today. Anything? Well, let me tell you a little story in case you missed it. So yesterday, I said to myself, man, I am so overstimulated. Like the, you know, talking about the news. I did two live streams yesterday, and my head was just full of stuff. And yeah, I had, you know, Several issues I had to work out. I had a whole bunch of scheduling things. And I just said to myself, I'm going to take a day off of Twitter. So after I did my morning stuff, I thought, I'm going to go for a long walk. And um, for the first time, and I don't remember how long, I'm just going to not check Twitter for maybe the rest of the night. Very unusual. I, I can't even think of a time I've ever done that. And as I was walking, I was feeling great. Because you know, once the stimulation was behind me, I was just outdoors in the quiet. So I'm taking a nice uh, walk to clear my mind. And I had this distinct feeling, which I've had before, that I was in a simulation. And that I was an avatar. And that I was being watched by perhaps the creator of the simulation or the, the game player or whatever whatever's happening. And so... I talked out loud to the creators of the simulation, and I said, this is actually true, by the way. Everything I tell you is true. I swear I wouldn't make this up. And I'll tell you, I'm never going to lie to you if I tell you I'm telling you the truth. Like, if I say directly, you don't have to worry about it. Like, this is real. So I said to my... I actually talked out loud, and I said, 
Um, if this is a simulation, I need some evidence. And, and I said specifically, if it's really a simulation, I'm going to need to show that I can author it. In other words, I can make something happen that only the simulation could explain. So that actually happened yesterday in the afternoon. And I stayed off Twitter for a few hours, and I was feeling good about it, and I got a text that directed me to look at Twitter. How many times has that ever happened to me? (laughs) Almost never, right? Almost never do I get a text telling me to look at Twitter because usually I'm on Twitter, so I've already seen it. Somebody would just DM me on Twitter or something. And so I uh, looked at the message, and it was a message that uh, Elon Musk had added in, in the... Uh, in the string of tweets about Elizabeth Warren, where he was calling her Senator Karen, we were all having a good laugh about that yesterday. Somebody asked him uh, something about, uh, I don't know, me or Dilbert, and Elon Musk tweeted this. He said, uh, I love Dilbert, exclamation mark. You use it all the time to illustrate that we're doing something wrong at Tesla, SpaceX. If it could be a Dilbert cartoon in real life, uh, this happens more often than I'd like, Sigh. Now, of course, when the richest person you know, tweets, tweets something about you, in this case about Dilbert, uh, a lot of people notice it and called it out to me. Now, you are aware that the, most, the, the person most famous for promoting the idea that we live in a simulation is Elon Musk, right? He's never tweeted at me before. And the one day that I'm waiting for a sign that we live in the simulation, Elon Musk tweets at me. Now, that by itself wouldn't be the biggest coincidence in the world, right? I mean, coincidences happen. But it gets better. Uh, uh, Twitter user uh, Prane Patol, Patol. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhere close to the name, he tweets this uh, at Elon. He says, uh, Do you sometimes feel like you're living in a Dilbert cartoon simulation? Elon tweets back, yeah, exclamation mark. So the person most famous for saying we live in a simulation is tweeting in front of the world that he feels like he's living in a simulation that I created. Oh, this has really really happened. (laughs) I'm not making up any of this. This actually happened. So after I saw uh, Elon's tweet, I think it was like, I don't know, some, it, was, it was in the middle of the morning, uh, which you call the night. <laughs> Those of you who like to sleep in, you call it night. But I think people like Elon Musk and, and people like me who hate sleep, we call that the morning. Uh, I think I got up this morning at 12.30, a little earlier than usual. Uh, so I was up tweeting and stuff, working. And so I tweeted back at Elon uh, when he said that he does feel like he lives in a Dilbert cartoon simulation. I tweeted this back. I said, too soon. You aren't scheduled to become self-aware until after I finish drawing the Mars colony. So that's out there now. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this story. You know, this is one of those stories where you just put it out there and 
and you just have to sort of accept that it really happened. <laughs> so that was pretty weird. Anyway, um, that was the favorite story of the day. So there's a, uh, a graph um, on Twitter. Now, if it's a graph and it's on Twitter, what do you know about it? Let's see. It's, it's information about uh, the pandemic, and it's a graph, and it's on Twitter. So therefore, it's, therefore it's totally true, right? Because it's a graph. I don't know if I mentioned it's on Twitter, but it's not just a graph. It's a graph on Twitter. So that's completely credible. Um, and this graph was uh, something I'd been wanting to see for a long time, which is the difference in the death rates from COVID between Republicans and Democrats. And somebody found a way to do that, actually, which was to use the uh, voting records of different counties as the proxy and then look at the infection rates in those counties versus you know, bluer counties, etc. And it showed that mo- most recently, the Republican line of COVID deaths is way above way above the Democrats. What's that tell you? What does that tell you? Um, Did I mention that it's a graph, but it's not just a graph, it's on Twitter. So I I hope you're not doubting the credibility of it. What? Oh my God, you're so skeptical. Uh, Did I tell you it's a graph and it's on Twitter? I mean, if you hear those two things, we should be done here. That is a fact, my friends. Even Snopes will tell you. They just give up. If they see it's a graph on Twitter, they're, oh, that's true. It's probably true. It's a graph. It's on Twitter. Well, here are a few things that might be wrong with that graph on Twitter. Number one, if you monkey with the uh, y-axis, you can make small differences look like really big ones. (laughs) Do you remember the... uh, the Democrats telling us that the gas prices have dropped precipitously. Well, if you monkey with the y-axis, it looks like that. Two cents. You know, only went down, uh, I guess, a dime so far. So uh, you can make anything look bigger. So that's the first thing you need to know. Second thing you need to know is they didn't adjust for age. <laughs> There's no adjustment for age. And uh, at least in one state, I saw some data... I think it was Texas, but let's say this isn't too far from the rest of the world. The Republican voters are uh, close to eight years older on average than Democrat voters. Would eight years, if that were the only difference, eight years of difference, would that explain a substantial difference in outcomes? Well, eight years wouldn't be the biggest difference, would it? You know, 20 years would be pretty noticeable for sure. But eight years would be a smaller difference, you would predict. But you could make that look pretty big, couldn't you? Just adjust the y-axis until it looks big. <laughs> um, how about, how about uh, weight? We know that weight is a comorbidity. Uh, somebody said 9 out of 10 of the red states are you know, the, the fattest in the country. Um, if the only thing you were measuring was how people did by weight, would that graph look exactly the same? It might, especially if you play with the y-axis, right? So um, I would love to see, uh, and then I asked 
in response to that tweet, I, I asked, uh, I'd like to see uh, the same graph except by race. Suppose they did the same thing except by race. I mean, do it the same way. You know, use representative voting clusters or something. Or just, um, I guess, census data. So to find out if the, uh, the areas with the most black population have higher infections or lower. Now, what, what do you expect they would find? Now, if, if I'm right about this, and I believe you get kicked off of Twitter if you say this wrong. So if I say something that's not true here, uh, my understanding is that I could get kicked off of Twitter or, or blocked or something. And one of the things that I think is uh, not allowed is to suggest that any uh, ethnic groups have a different outcome, which I don't entirely understand because I need a fact check on this, but my understanding is that it was mainstream understanding that there was a different outcome and that black Americans were having a worse time of it. I thought that was just well understood, but give me a fact check. So I have to act like I don't know that's true or else I'll get bumped off of Twitter, I think, according to the guidelines, if I understand them right. So what would happen if uh, you saw two graphs, uh, hypothetically? They're graphs on Twitter. They're both graphs on, on Twitter. One of them is just the one you saw, the Republicans versus Democrats, showing that Republicans have worse outcomes, according to that graph. That's a graph on Twitter, so you know it's very, very credible. Um, but suppose you did that side-by-side side with one by uh, race and specifically compared just black and white, um, just to keep it simple. And suppose it showed a similarly appalling difference, like an alarming difference in outcome where the black Americans were dying at you know uh, twice the rate or something. How would the news interpret those two outcomes? Well, let me tell you. They would look at the Republicans versus Democrat, and they'd say, well, that's proof that Republicans are stupid because they're not getting the vaccine. This would be the Democrat spin, right? Well, all those Republicans are dying because they're not getting the vaccination because they're anti-science, right? That's how the Democrats would spin it. How would they spin the one that showed that the black Americans are less vaccinated than uh, white Americans? They would spin that as less access. They would spin that as racism. Why is it so racist that we can't get more vaccinations to black Americans? Right? (laughs) Those two things would would just be interpreted completely differently. I don't know that either of them would be right, but you know that that's the way it would look. All right. That is all the excitement that I had planned for today. I believe there was, I feel like there was one other thing that was happening that I'm forgetting about. Is there anything else happening? Um, spot on today. Thank you. Please review rem, remdesivir. Why? Don't we know it doesn't work? Is there anything to review about remdesivir? We're, they thought it might work. It doesn't. Right? Isn't that the whole story? All right. Um, how many of you think ivermectin uh, works against COVID? Uh, and how many of you have heard the, um, the hypothesis from pretty smart people that it may look like it worked uh, because of a combination of some large studies that were actually fraudulent or didn't exist, 
plus the experience with countries where they had some internal worms. So I guess if you've got a parasite in your stomach and you've got COVID, you're more likely to die. So the people who took the ivermectin probably were getting rid of a comorbidity, if that's the right word for it, uh, instead of getting rid of the virus. But that would give you the same uh, improvement in life expectancy. So how many of you knew that, that there is, there is an explanation of why it would appear that ivermectin works while it doesn't? Now, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying that's the official, the official take on it right now. How many of you are aware of that? So I'm just checking your bubble. Uh, in the comments, how many of you had heard that ivermectin might look like it works and that those are the reasons? A couple of big fake studies that are skewing the rest, uh, along with uh, the ivermectin cleaning up the comorbidity of, of the parasites in the stomachs. Seeing a lot of no's. A lot of no's. I only heard this uh, a few days ago. So I think uh, Scott Alexander apparently was talking about it. Um, and I, I tend to listen to him. He's one of the smartest people on the Internet. Um, <laughs> so it must be true. Well, I'm not saying I know what's true. Uh, I'm saying that now we have a, a pretty reasonable-sounding um, hypothesis for why it could look like it's working and not. Because here's the thing, the longer we go without even one city or municipality completely getting rid of COVID with either hydroxychloroquine, with some other stuff, uh, or with ivermectin, the longer we go without even one example of a city, a county, somebody just squashing it, uh, the odds of it really ha- being effective against COVID specifically are pretty low. Um, I would say the, I'd put the odds of both of them at 10%. I wouldn't go to zero. I could be surprised. But I'd say the odds that either hydroxychloroquine or in any combination with anything else or ivermectin works against coronavirus, I, I started down at well over 50% when, when we were first hearing about it. When I heard that there were lots of studies and that the meta-analysis would look at, make it look good, I said, you know, I don't really trust meta-analysis, but I'll give it a 50% chance. Certainly enough that I would have tried it. You know, if, 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 I'd, uh, if I'd gotten COVID when Joe Rogan got COVID, oh, I'd take the ivermectin. That was the right risk management decision. I think his doctor advised him correctly. That doesn't mean it worked, but it was the right decision you know, from the perspective of looking back. Now, if it happened to me today, and I'd heard this stuff about, well, it doesn't, it doesn't look like the indications of it working are true, would I take it today if there's only a, uh, if there's only a 10% chance? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. There's still almost zero side effects, right? So if there's almost zero side effects and... 10% chance it might work. And I'm not saying it would work 10%, like it would work a little bit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's only a 10% chance it has any effect that you'd notice. I don't know. That'd be a toss-up. 
you know, at, at 10%, I guess maybe if my doctor said so, I'd probably try it, just because there's no downside. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be counting on it, that's for sure. I definitely wouldn't be putting the Regeneron off. Oh, by the way, an update on my friend who uh, had a bad turn with um, COVID. Uh, he, uh, he was denied Regeneron until about uh, 10 days into it because there was some guideline about when you can give it early and when you can't. Uh, but they bent the rules, and he got the Regeneron, and I don't know if it was the Regeneron that regenerated him, but that was about the turning point, and, and now he's, uh, he's on the mend. You know, we've got a little, uh, lingering, little lingering symptoms, but I think the virus is cleared. Yeah, that was Regeneron. All right. Um, uh, what about hydroxychloroquine? Was there any research with zinc? Well, I'm, I am aware, we talked to this extensively in the beginning, that it looked like the studies were intentionally done to fail. Would you agree with that? And you can imagine if you were a big vaccine company and you didn't want these things to succeed, you would actually fund tests that you knew would fail. So you'd look for somebody who had a a test structure that by its nature it was going to show it didn't work, and you would fund that one. That's what I'd do. If If I were a dirty trickster... You know, pharma, big pharma company, that's what I'd do. Now, if you're wondering, would big pharma do a horrible, horrible thing? You have to watch the special Dope Sick about the Sackler family and Purdue and uh, OxyContin. If you think there's anything they wouldn't do, (laughs) there's nothing they wouldn't do. They meaning there's somebody in that universe that would do almost anything, right? So... That doesn't mean it happened. I'll tell you my current best opinion about the vaccinations. You ready? Um, So this is a modified, sort of evolving opinion. My current best opinion, and there seemed to be a binary going on here, one one that the risks of the vaccines are not worth it, and the other is that the risks are low compared to the COVID itself, so they're not just worth it, they're really, really worth it. So the binary is it's worthless, or it's, or it's pretty great, even though it's not a true vaccine. It still has many benefits. Here's my take. I think it might be the most dangerous vaccine we've ever had, but I think the people who did the science probably thought it worked. That's what I think. I think the, the actual scientists who did the studies for these big companies, I think they believed it worked, meaning that the benefit was far greater than the risk. I do think they may have, they may have underplayed the risks. Is there anybody who would disagree with that, that the pharma companies would or have underplayed the risk? What do you think? I think, I think that could be almost certainly true because that would be every company acting exactly like every company acts. It's, almost, it's not even an indictment of the pharma industry. That would just be a statement of what companies do. <laughs> they minimize their problems and they exaggerate their benefits. Is, I don't think it could be that different with pharma. They, they must be exaggerating their benefits and, and hiding to some extent. You know, there, there's a limit beyond which it becomes purely criminal. Here's what I, I don't think happened. I don't think that anybody was involved in a 
a money-making big pharma scheme that could be easily detected later. That part is a stretch for me. Although people do crazy stuff, so they do things that are not good for themselves. But it would be unlikely. Um, Generally speaking, when somebody does something underhanded, when there are shenanigans, they at least do things that they think they can get away with. Would you agree with the premise that at least if you're talking about not career criminals who can do some crazy stuff, but I'm talking about you know, people who wear uh, science jackets and neckties, that group of people, you know, the educated segment of the society, if they're going to do something that's a huge crime, they're going to try pretty hard to make sure nobody ever finds out, right? That's sort of, that's sort of important in the crime. You don't steal a bunch of stuff that you know you're going to get caught at. You don't murder somebody on video, Right? You, you, at the very least, you're going to try pretty hard not to do a crime that you know you're going to get caught for. Now, suppose a bunch of the people at one of these big pharma companies knew, and I don't think this is the case, but hypothetically, suppose they knew that the vaccines were worse than the COVID itself, or at least you know, not that much better. Do you think that they could have made their billions of dollars, because even the employees are making you know, bank with their 401ks and everything. So everybody at the big pharma companies are making a lot of money, that's for sure, you, you know, even the lower employee level, uh, because of stock. So do you think that there was somebody who would do that kind of crime with the odds of detection being, I think, close to 100%, if you wait long enough? Now, they might not get caught this year, you know, hypothetically, if anything underhanded happened. Uh, maybe not next year. But what are the odds that they could go five years without somebody uncovering the crime? I don't think so. I feel like there would be too many, too many people involved, too many potential whistleblowers, too many people looking at the same data with different, you know, different ways in. I feel like you would know for sure you couldn't get away with that. So I don't think anybody would steal a billion dollars if they knew they were going to get caught. A lot of people would steal a billion dollars if they thought there was a good chance of not getting caught. <laughs> you know, you'd find lots of volunteers for that. But if you knew you were going to get caught? And I think they would have to know that if they literally faked the data, that's going to bite them in the ass. And so I say, if, it, if we ever find out that anybody in the you know, vaccine universe... Uh, did something literally illegal to make it look like it was safer than it was, that's got to be the death penalty. Would you agree? That uh, Now, some of you just may disagree with the death penalty on principle. That's a different question. But in terms of the maximum penalty that the United States gives to anybody, what would be bigger than that? I, th- I think it would be criminal in itself to be executing, you know, uh, low-income people who've done, you know, equally heinous things, or actually not even close. There's probably nobody on death row who's done anything close to that in terms of body count, if it happened, right? And my, my guess is that it didn't happen. So if you want a prediction that you can take, you know, you can uh, hold me to, here's my prediction. That nobody did a crime 
that will be easily detectable. There could be crime. In fact, almost certainly. <laughs> the, the odds that all of these big pharma companies did everything legally and there was no employee who broke a crime or broke a law in some way, zero. I mean, you know, big companies sometimes you know, they'll, they'll cross some lines to get things done. So definitely there was some shenanigans. But my personal opinion is we won't find the, the hidden, like, obvious fraud that somebody did to make a billion dollars um, because nobody does that crime. Now, uh, I say nobody like it's an absolute, but it's never an absolute. So if I give you a prediction, you should just, in your mind, you should say that's not 100% because nothing is. But I'd say the odds are I'm going to go uh, 80%. I'll give you an 80% chance that no matter how good or bad the vaccines are in reality, that there won't be somebody that you find just hid the bad data to make a bunch of money because they would definitely go to jail for that. And by the way, I'm not even sure if they could live a life in the, in the United States, you know, even if they didn't go to jail for it, if somehow they got off on it. I don't even know if they could live in the United States because they would be responsible for you know, countless deaths and under this scenario would have known about it, would have known they did it. Yeah, so when you see the 75-year thing, you have to assume criminal activity, don't you? I mean, seriously. If a company says, we'll show you our data in 75 years, you should just shut them down. (laughs) You should just take that as proof of criminal intent. You don't even know what the crime is. You say, "Um, I don't even know what the crime is, but you're committing one. Like, if there could be a clear indication of a crime, I've never heard of one. So I think it's just the fact that they asked for the 75 years... (laughs) I mean, I'm joking, but I feel like you should shut them down for that. You should shut down the whole vaccination. Basically, I would have withdrawn the vaccination at that point. Let me, let me say it directly. If Pfizer or whoever uh, requires 55 years or 75, I think they're still negotiating some of that. But if they require that and there's no explanation for why that makes sense, I think you have to withdraw the vaccine. Don't you? I mean, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. Now, now, you want to get mad? This will be easy. Watch me trigger you. As obvious as that is to you and to me, which one of our politicians is even suggesting that? Right? Did you hear any Republicans suggest it? I didn't. Did you hear any Democrats suggest it? I didn't. No. And let me tell you, that unless there's more to the story, and there might be. It could be that if you listen to Pfizer's side, they would give you some reason that you'd never even thought of. It's like, oh, God, yeah, that would take 75 years. I can't, I can't imagine what that would be. But I think until we hear that, in other words, in, oh, Rand Paul? Did Rand Paul say that directly? That uh, because of the 75 years, that's reason enough to withdraw the, the vaccine? To me, that's reason enough. And not only is it reason enough, is more than reason enough. I mean, that's, that's beyond the best reason anybody ever gave for anything, right? <laughs> Can you think of anything that anybody's ever done in any domain that would be a better reason than pulling vaccinations when the company won't give you data about their safety? 
No, no, no. There's nothing more obvious and easy to make than that decision, assuming that you have enough of the other vaccinations. Now, some of it might be that, you know, if you don't have it, fewer people will get vaccinated, so there may be some calculation there. Uh, is it Pfizer or the FDA that's withholding the data? Well, either way, does it matter? If the data is being withheld from the public and from the rest of um, the scientific community, it doesn't matter who's withholding it. You still have to pull the vaccination. And by the way, are, is our government even talking about it except for Rand Paul? I mean, Biden should be saying out loud, well, we've got a problem with Pfizer. I think, I think Trump would do that, wouldn't he? Can you imagine Trump in the same situation where Pfizer told them they couldn't give the data for X years? Don't you think Pfizer would tell them, are we going to pull, the, we're going to pull your approval? the most obvious thing in the world. I think he would say, okay, you've got a week, and then we're going to pull your emergency approval. It's the most obvious play. What's going on? Now, keep in mind, this might be a a news problem. It could be that the news is serving us so poorly that we don't even understand this issue about the documents in the 75 years, because there's something about it we don't understand. I, I, I have trouble believing it's as cut and dried as they're hiding data from us. Was it really? That's it? Is that the whole story? They are intentionally hiding data from us until they die? I mean, if that is the whole story, then the, the management of it is just moronically simple. You pull, you pull the authorization. You have to. <laughs> I mean, how, how could the public have any confidence in its government if they don't pull the authorization or, or just as happy, or explain, explain the reasoning in a way that makes sense. There might be an explanation. In fact, I would say there's at least a 50% chance there's some reason that we don't even understand. It could be that it takes you know, years to produce uh, new data that goes in these documents, something like that. I mean, if you consider that almost every other story we hear is fake, in some way fake, uh, it's hard to believe this one's the one that's clean. Privacy issues or something. Oh, that's interesting. Privacy issues. I don't see any way that you couldn't remove identities. That doesn't sound real. Um, redactions take time. Well, if they're redacting things, i got questions. <laughs> um, it's the FDA is asking for 75 years to clear out patient data meaning that we would remove the way to identify which patient it is? So are we waiting for the patients involved to die of natural causes? Um, Let me just say that isn't a good enough reason. Like, I hear it as a reason, but I want to invite Dale back because it's not connecting with the problem. I don't see how you can't remove identifying information. Uh, unless that's the only... Maybe it is the identify, identities of the people that's the only thing that'll take 75 years. I mean, if that's the case, then it's irrelevant, isn't it? So I'm going to keep my 50% odds that there's nothing to this story. How do you like that? 50% odds that there's actually nothing to the story and that the thing that's being withheld wasn't anything that anybody needed anyway. 
you know, such as the actual identif- identities of the people. All right, but I'll, but I'll keep with, uh, if we don't have a good explanation from the government, we can't live with that. All right. Um, that is all I have to talk about today. I think you'll agree. This is the best live stream that has ever happened in the history of the United States, possibly the entire world, maybe the rest of the solar system, and could be the universe. Scott, ban me. You are shilling if you believe 50%. Will do, Ken. You are banned. Ooh, I'd use it on this channel. Yes, if you think that you can detect shilling by my, by my opinions, uh, you're not smart enough to be on this live stream. Goodbye, Ken. Um, get a ban hammer. <laughs> What time do you go to bed? Um, well, last night, 10 p.m. And then I woke up two and a half hours later, and I said to myself, you know, I'm tired of sleeping. So I just got up. Um, one of the uh, things that I teach you when I, when I do my micro lessons, I, I, I think one of them is on sleep, uh, one of the sleep tricks is if you can't get back to sleep, don't try. You know, you can try for a little while, but if you know it's not going to happen, you get up. And then tonight, I'll go to bed at 10 o'clock, and I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> and tonight, I'll get back on track. But don't, don't stay up torturing yourself. Just get up and do something you wanted to do anyway. Clean the house, do some work, you know, take a walk. Just get up and do something. That's what I've been doing for years, and I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Scott's writing the coattails of Dale's fame. Well, that's one way to do it. Um. <laughs> all right. Uh, somebody says all Indians have worms. is a fallacy. Well, I don't think anybody was claiming all Indians have worms. Uh, I, I, I think that there may have been enough people in some areas that it, it could show up in the data. That's a, that's a big distance from all Indians have worms. All right. That's all for now. And I will talk to you. Jimmy Dore and RFK Jr. last night was better. Was it? Uh, did, uh, did they tell you uh, in a way that you can summarize what uh, RFK said? Because here's the test. If you can summarize it, like, you know, direct sentence, somebody did this and caused this, then maybe there's something to it. But if you can't summarize it, there might not be anything there. (laughs) Anyway, that's the test. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.